0: Hi everybody. Um, it's a beautiful day in the Midwest, so I hope it's the same for everyone wherever you're located. Uh, of course, uh, you don't have to guess what I talk about. I'm always talking about, you know, how much better we, we are. You're the best and the brightest. Let's get better. Let's talk about quantum teaming. And so I want to also welcome or visitors or mentors, consultants, always thank you for all the work you do. But let's talk about culture, like cultural fit to cultural contribution. Because each week I kind of peruse, well actually I troll, um, around to see what the greatest hits. You know, what companies are talking about, what highered dot com is talking about and all that. You can this is fun. And so let's talk about it. We're going to talk about what is cultural fit and what does it mean to be fit, and then we'll talk about your cultural contribution. So it's a a process. Next slide, please. And I want to – it's amazing. I mean, you know, companies, of course, we know they're clever. They're always growing and modifying and – One thing you have to say about most companies that are successful, that no matter what happens, be it COVID or whatever, they always find a way to make lemonade out of it. They always see where there is a competitive advantage or something that they can do within that. So one of the things that companies are doing now is they are incorporating, you know, along with their corporate ethics and everything that's going on in IT as far as, you know, You know, Facebook and Twitter and all that, and what information, misinformation, what do you accept, what don't you accept? What kind of people do you accept and what kind of people don't you accept? They're all claiming there's a gazillion jobs out there that aren't filled. But then when you go to fill the job, then they start talking about a cultural fit. Well, what does that mean? Okay, so they're protective of their reputation and their brand because that's how they make their money. OK, and most of them, when they discuss culture, they're talking about a set of values or a shared vision or a shared mission and things like that, you know. And at the same time, though, it's also screening to see if the set of behaviors that they have existing fit into how they are perceiving you in the interview. Will you fit into that set of acceptable behaviors well we we're going to drill down into that because what does that really mean uh you know a lot of people suggest if you're going to an interview if you can you know sit out you know if you have a day before just go sit in the parking lot see if people you know even from their dress to how much they talk to one another you know and just kind of get a feel for uh you know is it a friendly environment even if you can't you know, be close in in terms of social distance? Do they wave their hand, things like that? Do all the guys have on, you know, khaki bottoms and white shirts rolled up to the sleeve, you know, and loafers? I mean, you you look for things like that, you know, to kind of see what is the unspoken that validates these so-called acceptable behaviors, you know. And most employers say that that, um it is a really important, prominent factor in their hiring process. So it's important for us to know, you know, as general, as specific as we can, talking about a different kind of companies, what do you mean by that? Since it's 84% of them are talking about this cultural fit thing. Next slide, please. Okay, so it's very interesting because while they're looking for acceptance and cultural fit, you probably are not going to have an interview that doesn't talk about what are your unique skills that you think that you would bring into this company. Okay, so now your brain is saying, you know, you want me to adhere to a certain set of behaviors that are already existing, and at the same time you're asking me how can I bring some originality to it? Okay, so your originality part of your brain and part of your skills and all that, you know, that comes from things that don't necessarily match the culture because the culture should be an evolving process. It should be something that you always need another set of eyes on or another uh, perspective of things. I mean, this is is a, a lot of the reasons why, you know, all of you are meaningful, but there are certain people here, you know, like Brandon and Landon and Marjorie, of course, and, you know, the, the usual suspects that I depend on for their originality or for them to kind of say, well, what about this, Doc? You didn't consider that or, you know, things like that. You need that there. That is a part of our culture. Originality is part of our culture. And when you go into a company, you want to discern Because it's not just about them and needing a paycheck. It's about you being happy and seeing room for growth there. You want to see if this is a static company like the old IBM, or is this a company that will appreciate my originality? Okay, because if not, if you're just there to be there like an assembly line, then you end up just rationalizing the status quo. You see things can be better. You might see there's two people doing the same job, the redundancy that's unnecessary. You can see these things that might make it better, Um, but you don't say anything because you don't want to push against the status quo because they've already told you that that's what's legitimate, okay? Even if it goes against the interest, of the company in the long run. For example, we're having this situation in education. Marjorie and I talk about it a lot. You know, brick and mortar, you know, they got the COVID and then they wanted to run over here to the online environment. I mean, there's room for all of us, right? The internet is infinite. Well, not infinite, but it's wide. You know, there's always room for another school or whatever here. However, You want to try to make the online environment like the traditional brick and mortar, when in reality, you should listen to us, learn from us, and see how it works with us. Because one of the main things is when you're in a brick and mortar, you can look at the body language of the professor, you can... um, assume things based on that behavior if they're giving you a list of things to do a b c d you can notice if they like you know put their hand you know slap their hand against the table and C, you can say okay that's more important to that professor or just listening to their verbiage you can say okay that's more important i'm really going to focus on that part because i can tell that doc really is into that online we have to put it in writing We have to communicate it in a manner that any student with any learning style could read it and either you understand it or you don't and you ask a question. But it has to be there. It can't be assumed. Because if it is assumed and you grade on that, that student has the right to come back and say, where is it in writing? Give me my points." Okay, so they don't understand that and as a result, They're having a little hard time until, well, uh, Marjorie's on the uh, faculty senate, so she is letting uh, our provost and president and all those know, you're going to have to be a little humble here. Even though you are, you know, Ivy Purdue University, the mothership, you're going to have to be a little humble if you're going to come over to our neck of the woods and we'll tell you how it's done. Okay, so you have to be, and also, when does cultural fit become groupthink? And, you know, groupthink is just, as I said before, the status quo problem. You know, everybody eats licorice at lunch, so I'm going to start eating licorice at lunch. You you know, do you like licorice? If you don't like it, then you shouldn't have to do that. You know, it's just a wild example. Okay, so always seeking reinforcement. And if you read any of the books by uh, Elizabeth... uh, I'll get her last name and, uh, for anyone who's interested. But she focuses her whole work, she's out of Harvard or some, uh, but she focuses her whole doctoral work on cor- corporate cultures. And she's the one that introduced to me that if you uh, say somebody wants to be on the management track at a big corporation and you start to notice that all of them dress with the khaki pants and the white shirt rolls up to the sleeve, And the you know and the in the loafers you know you said she said you start to notice that people that want to be chosen for a certain track start to group think with those who have achieved that track. Now yes we learn from one another, but you don't lose your own uniqueness while doing that. So it is a hard thing to navigate when you're trying to get into a company. We all understand that, but I just want to tell you that it's normal to have that kind that to have to balance that in your mind and it is not normal although too many people do it to give up yourself and your originality and your ability to seek new and better things and to promote and all that just because the you know you think the majority of the company is thinking this way Okay. Also, you have to watch when this group think and this so-called fit becomes discrimination. As you've heard me example twice, I'm talking about the fellas, right? With the khaki pants and the white shirt rolled up to the sleeve. Okay. So why? then you say, well, why are there so many men in management and not enough women in management? Maybe it's because I look Don't look good in khaki pants and white shirts up to my sleeves, you know, rolled up to my sleeves. So those kinds of things you start to see, uh, just pay attention to, you know, a lot of times you think, okay, I take this exam or I apply for this company or I do this and I didn't do well. You know, what's wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. I mean, another example, and it's a little dated, well, it's all of us have already done it and we're behind it, the SAT test for high school. Okay, you take the SAT to see what your grade is and what college you're going to get into and all that. Well, there was a big, big controversy about the SAT because the verbiage they used in the questions were for a certain I don't know if you say, well, a group of people, usually like Ivies. Like, for example, you know, uh, people talk about their, uh, I don't know, in your house. Like, I have a, a girlfriend who has happens to be really privileged, and she wrote me and said, you know, I want you to come over, you know. Do you want to sit outside and have coffee because of the COVID, or do you want to sit in my um Oh, what was the name of it? I'm going to look it up because I was like, wait a minute, chick. I, I don't live like this. But anyway, and she says, well, what, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to, you know, sit outside or, or we can meet in my all seasons room with the windows open and fire going. And I, I read it and I'm like, what the heck is an all seasoned room? Maybe some of you guys know what that is, but I I don't, my house, I don't have that kind of, lifestyle and so i wrote her back and i says well is this all seasons room in your house or you you know are you talking about you know leasing out a room at a restaurant or something so those kinds of things if you were taking the sat and somebody said uh where do you study best in in an all seasoned room or in a office you know most of us even me and i consider myself pretty bright i would you know i'd say what the heck is an all seasons room And that might be the right answer. So those are the things that you look at in terms of, of, uh, you know, is this environment discriminatory against all ilks of people? Because I have proved it. I have written, published on it. I have proved it. I know for sure. I thought about it last week on an issue uh, as far as like faculty and directors and, and stuff that I do on the other end of my life here at PG I'm like, "No, you cannot have students get into a program that, costs, you know makes them have to relocate for three, in three days. You cannot do that to my students, because my students are adults with families, with mortgages, with things you know to do, and you know, these kinds of things. So you have to be ever cognizant of if a situation actually meets your needs that way, or if you are really setting yourself up for stagnation and uh, a form of discrimination that they may not even be aware of, but it might just be a culture that just doesn't fit who you are, you know? So sorry, sorry. Oh, I hear uh, somebody has their uh, mic on. Okay. Julie, um, That's okay. So, uh, oh, Julie's here. All right. So that is part of what we look at. You know, and I just want you to know that in this time that you're in the internship and you're working at PGIPT, we don't play any of those games. We encourage your originality. We encourage, we want you to, we want to know the things that you're interested in. If you start in IT support and you do some time there and you do well on your projects, but now because you've gone to AHOD, you have an interest in cybersecurity, you let us know. You're not stuck in any one place and we want to know your ideas. We want you to send us proposals on new projects we can initiate. We have that kind of flexibility. So it depends on you and what you want to get out of here. So we strive to make you more original so when you walk out, you can discern where you want to fit. At least be at the table. When you're looking for a job equally to say do I want to fit in this kind of culture as well as that culture saying do we are you a fit for our culture you have some power this is what we're saying next slide please So after discerning that and you say okay I can fit here. I can, you know, be my best self here. I can use my mental diamonds here. I, you know, this is a way to learn and grow and 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 enhance my knowledge, all of the above. Once you're comfortable with that, then that's when you can really start your contribution self, which is the only way, in my humble opinion, that a job or an activity is worth it for me. Uh, you know, I... I couldn't work somewhere where I was miserable. And there was a time I've been here, I told you all, since the earth was cooling, when I was like my fifth or sixth year, I did feel that I was not happy. So what do you do? So you say, how can I be happy? I can create an internship where I can have more hands-on with the students than all these nerdy meetings with a bunch of PhDs. And fortunately, our environment here at Kaplan, and now it's Purdue, was open for that, and I was allowed to do that. Had it not been, I wouldn't be here today. I would be at another university, once again, trying to be myself while meeting their requirements. Okay? So people that benefit the least, not just from the internship, but from their job, are people that do not feel that flexibility, that liberty, that that uh, acceptance. Okay, to attain these knowledge skills, our ability to take risks, to grow. Okay, or, you know, when you can look for opportunities, you know, that happen at the company that wouldn't happen elsewhere. We still, now that there's COVID, everybody and their grandparents want to have an internship, right? But prior to that, it was just us totally virtual. Now there's a lot of them trying to go totally virtual. You know, with their caveats. So, with each, with each one that comes to our school and says, "Okay, well, we've got this and that," I'm like, "Let me read the contract." It's not from my law school days. It's just because I know, I know how corporations are and making, and this is how they're making their lemonade. I'm okay with them making their lemonade, but not not hurting my students. So everything is getting combed over with a fine tooth comb before they can just offer this and then not offer a benefit for you you know so don't and and on our end don't be shy to ask questions as marjorie says richard says everyone says your managers you know or you can challenge something or you can change something uh, we may have been doing something in a application one way for three years someone can come in like a brandon or like a landon we can go on forever like a bradley You know, I heard you're one of the best and brightest in your department, too. You know, and you can say, you know, we don't have to do all these steps. You can do this and automate that. And we're like, yeah, let's make it happen. So it's important to be that kind of person who's always looking for opportunities to make the organization better. Look at what we're doing right, as I just gave with the examples, you know. And then with that, be proud of us. So you don't want someone who just comes in and goes straight into the critical. We've had all kinds. We've had people that came in and said, you know, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Okay, so that gets a little depressing. You know, there's got to be something right. We've been here five years. We have people that are ride or die, as we say. Uh, you know, that are that love it here, that think of things, that bring ideas. So we must be doing something right. Let's enhance the things we're doing right, too. Let's be proud. Like I always, you know, show you all's work to the dean because I'm proud of you. You guys did your recent BCP audit. I sent that to them. It went straight to the VP. Very proud of you guys. So these kinds of things help us to have more energy and be strong as we excel It gives us fuel to work harder, longer, smarter, you know, those kinds of things. And we've already talked about your original thinking, you know. But I want you to understand that the cost of not having that is like a slow brain death by, what do they say, by by small cuts. You know, when you find yourself in a habit. And no one can tell you this originally but you because it's happening in your brain. But in your brain, if you are always looking for, it's different. A shortcut is different than finding a seamless way to make things more automated and easier. And if you're the kind of person that assesses, you know, takes an overview of a situation and says, you know, if I take 15 more minutes on my lunch break, nobody cares. Because my boss is in Massachusetts. Okay, if you're going to be that kind of person, then you are hurting yourself. I mean, you're hurting yourself by minor, minor cuts. Just do what you say you're going to do. Your word is your bond. If something comes up, if you have to be out for a while, if you're going to be late to a meeting or something, shoot an email. Let somebody know. Just don't assume, okay, I'll tell them tomorrow. Because that reflects on you. That reflects on you. And we see it. I mean, we've been doing this long enough. We can tell the people that are what I call clever, because I never want to call anybody a bad name, versus wise. The wise thing to do is if I'm paying for this, if they've got all this automation and things that we can do and all these applications for free on your end that we can get into and break it and don't get in trouble or or learn and grow and, and make a network of people that can find jobs and all this kinds of stuff, it would be foolish not to put all hands on deck, and try to get what you can get out of it and communicate what you need out of it, okay? And the more that you are set on status quo, you know, reinforcement on, I dotted every I, crossed every T, what do you want me to do now, that kind of attitude. What do you want me to do now? How can I please you? You know, when you're always, like, externally needing the reinforcement for, to feel like you've achieved everything, uh, then when somebody corrects you, it, it it goes deep. You get your feelings hurt. You usually, most people project, you're making a bad corporate culture. Or some, they usually project out instead of looking within and saying, why did that correction hurt me? You know, especially in an environment like PGIP where you all can correct me too. And I mean, I look forward to it. That's how I grow. And I know that I am not perfect. Okay. So you look at how you can enrich a culture, you know, and you don't have to worry about being a misfit here. Okay. So the way to do that is to avoid a fixed mindset. You know, yes, you have to have time management. Yes, you have to have a routine of sorts, but you also have to think in terms of maybe, you know, what is your five-year plan? You know, we have some recent graduates. They're putting out uh, resumes and things like that. You know, what was your plan? And I know you all do a lot of that in cybersecurity and other departments. Like, where are you trying to go? You have to think about that, too, so we can make that avenue or, you know, learning that, getting experience in that avenue available to you. You know, there are some exceptions. We had one person who wanted to be an aeronautics whatever, but it still had enough of CS in it that they could be in the department, but I mean, I can't bring a plane in. I mean, I I just, you know, I I haven't figured out how to do that yet, (laughs) but if I could, I would, all right? So, and your managers can um, empower you, you know, and they hope, and I hope that that's what you're getting from your managers, that they're always empowering you and encouraging you to grow and take risks and think of things and ask questions and you know, connect A, B, and C. So those are the kinds of things that we consider contributions. But it's not just for our sake. It's for your sake as well. Next slide, please. So some people are shy. Some people are in the habit of just following the status quo group think routine because there are still some very – old-fashioned big corporations out there and you know sometimes you just say okay as long as I just make sure that I keep moving the boxes or whatever or like the people that were just counting the votes nobody was asking them to think of anything unique because they're only going to be there for a week or so just pass the ballot to the next person you know just strip the ends to open it and pass it over those kinds of situations you know they still exist so if you have any kind of Fear based on those things, we want to make, you, make it clear for you here, is the so-called big boss, and I guess that'd be me, you know, an authoritarian or robotic? I'm not, Marjorie's not, Richard's not, your managers aren't. I mean, so we don't have that here because that is not our culture. Uh, to You know, we're humans. We're all learning and working through things at the same time. We're trying to keep software updated. We're trying to bring in new software. We have clients that are waiting, a few that are going to start in January because I don't want to start now and you guys are going to go into holiday. So something's always going on. We don't have time to be robotic. We have to be agile. You know, if you're worried about, will I fail, will my manager get mad at me, or will Doc write me up or something, if I contribute a new idea or innovation, because I think the way they're doing it is whack. No, you won't. We would rather you suggest it or bring it forward than to ever sit there and go into a negative attitude about the internship, which is a way, I mean, if you become like a really negative presence, then, you know, we're going to get on the phone, you and me, and we're going to have to talk about it because there's, there's no need if you speak out and work it through. You know, can you advance into leadership? As you get into something, maybe you're a manager at your job now or a leader at your job now, and you got to walk the burning sands any place you start new, so you're an intern, but you would like to be a manager. You would like to be a, a director or a VP or a whatever that one that we don't have filled. We always have one in management that's not filled, the project something. Not the project manager, Lisa, don't panic. Okay, but we have another one. All right, we always have room for you to have a leadership role at the company. So it's a safe place for you to shine and to get your confidence so when you go out and either you're changing position, changing careers, or you want to enhance the career that you're in, it gives you more confidence because it's not just one person. It's not just Doc saying, hey, you're a great worker, Bradley, and I'm so glad you're here. It's a lot of people telling you, a lot of people working and telling you that, and you're watching your own growth you're watching yourself figure things out knowing how to connect the dots all that stuff is happening here in the internship and we are fair so you have control over your own growth and there should be no need to feel stagnant everyone once you finish your training has at least two projects some people have more depending on what comes into us from clients or whatever so um i think that you should utilize this opportunity to its highest potential. Next slide, please. And so I want to thank you all for your contributions. Um, We have really been on a positive streak here lately. I would say in the midst of 2020 being a cluster on so many levels in the world, that hasn't been the case here at PGIP. We have been working together, getting things done. Uh, you guys are the best and the brightest, and we want, to know, we want you to know, some of you all that are in midstream or about to graduate, you have the option to come back as a consultant or mentor and pay it forward. The things that you've learned, the things that you want to learn more about, you can come back or, you know with your team. We ask you to take a little rest. Because you graduated, you need to celebrate that milestone in your life. But then we are the door is always open for you to come back like Nate and Marjorie, Landon. I mean, there's so many that have been here, and I just don't even think I could do without them. I mean, they've been such an essential part of growing uh, this company. And it looks good on your resume. All right. So thank you for all your contributions. And, uh, we look forward to, uh, great things.